Today I'm going to share a message in this series that we've entitled Stronger. Come on, say, say Stronger. The, the series is called Stronger, and we're looking at the book of Hebrews. And, and this is a book that was written by an unknown author to a group of first, cent, first century Jewish Christians that were thinking about giving up. Come on, has anybody in the room ever thought about giving up on something? Maybe uh, it was school, maybe it was a job, maybe it was a, a relationship, but you thought about giving up. Hey, I, I want to confess to you in the room this morning, I actually dropped out of preschool. Okay, I gave up. I quit. One time my mom didn't pick me up on time, and that was a wrap for me, yo. Like I was like, okay, mom's not coming on time. I, I'm done with this. Not going back. And, and my mom let me. I was spoiled. But, but I went back for kindergarten. I, I graduated high school. I got a college degree. I didn't quit altogether. But, but we, we've all felt like quitting at one point in time or another. And the author of the book of Hebrews is trying to encourage these Jewish believers not to give up, not to quit, to keep going, to keep moving forward. How many of you think that's a message that the church needs to hear in this hour? Not to give up, but to hold on to Jesus, to hold on to our faith in him. And this morning, we're going to read from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 35 through 37. It's on the screen. I'll be reading from the NIV today. And it begins like this, Hebrews 10, 35 through 37. The author of the book of Hebrews says this, So do not throw away your, what's that word? Confidence. Do not throw away your confidence because it will be richly rewarded. You need to, say this word nice and loud, persevere, say it again. Persevere, say it one more time. Persevere. You need to persevere. Why? So that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. In order to receive the promises of God, the author says, you got to persevere. You've got to keep going, even when you don't feel like it. Verse 37, for in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. He's reminding them about the return of Christ and that he would return victorious over the world. The title of today's message is When You Feel Like Giving Up. When You Feel Like Giving Up. Let's pray today. Lord, we thank you for your presence here in this room today. God, we thank you that you give us strength and endurance to continue. Lord, when circumstances challenge us and and maybe we, we've lost confidence or we've lost hope. Lord, there's renewed strength in you. Your word says that those who wait upon you will renew their strength. And today, Jesus, we're waiting on you. We're asking for renewed strength. I pray that you would give us ears to hear the, what the Spirit would say today as we look into your word. God, that you would meet us here in a special way. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen, amen. amen. Well, last fall, I was coaching youth soccer, and my middle son, Parker, uh, some of you know him, he's, he's kinda, kind of a, a small little guy, but he's, he's fierce. He's fierce. So I was coaching his soccer team, and we were playing in, in a league in New Orleans. There were about eight or ten teams of uh, under 10-year-olds, so eight and nine-year-olds. And one thing you need to know about me before I go into this story is that I hate 
Some of you know losing. I don't like to lose. I don't care if we're playing ping pong, tiddlywinks, tic-tac-toe. It does not matter. I want to win. Any competitive people in the room today? Okay, all right. You're my people. You're my people, all right? So I like to win. And so, you know, my kids show up for the first soccer practice, and I'm watching other teams practice on the field next to us, and it's like lighthearted, and they're having fun. And I'm like, yo, kids, if you're not going to listen, we're going to run today. Like, I, I'm serious. I don't care that they're eight and nine. Some of y'all are lo- losing some respect for me right now. I see it in your eyes. Don't lose respect. I'm trying to pull out the best in those kids. Come on. And so I, I'm like serious. And I'm like, hey, we're setting goals. We're trying to win this thing. And I'm looking around at my team. And I'm like, I don't know if we can win this thing. Looking at the talent on this team. But I did bring a ringer with me. And that was my son, Parker. Because he likes to win too. And so we get into the season. We win the first game. Next thing you know, we win the second game, third game, fourth game. Season keeps going. We're all the way to the end of the season. There's one other team in the league that had not lost. It sets up the showdown at at the championship game. Come on, I'm trying to set the scene for you here. It's an important moment, y'all. It is the championship game for the nine-year-old soccer league at Carrollton Park in New Orleans. Look, there are trophies on the table. Come on. And I'm trying to get that trophy. Our team was undefeated. We hadn't even been challenged. We had just wiped everyone up all season long. We get into the game, and my team came out flat. They, they, they forgot that it was the championship game. They, they didn't show up in the first half. And so we, any soccer fans in the room, by the way? Few people, all right, all right. If you don't know, then you need to know. Soccer's cool, y'all. You need to get on board with soccer. But For my soccer fans, you know that like a one or two goal deficit can seem kind of insurmountable sometimes. So we're at halftime. We're down to zero. Okay. I know it's getting intense. Y'all with me right now? It's getting intense. It's the championship in case you forgot. There's big trophies on the table. We're down to zero. My team at at halftime, I'm trying to give them my best Newt Rockney speech. Like, yo, don't quit. You guys can do this. And in my mind, I'm like thinking, Man, I don't know what I'm going to say to these kids if they lose because I I think they were convinced they were going to win today. So at halftime, down 2-0, we get two goals. Come on, let out a cheer. Hey, all right. It's 2-2. We're back in this thing. My kids didn't give up. They kept fighting. We go down a goal again late in the game. Now it's 3-2. We're down again. My kids with one minute left, okay, one minute, we have a free kick. 40 yards out. That's a long way for a nine-year-old. It's like, come on, it's the Hail Mary of Hail Marys in a soccer game. I am praying, Jesus, I really want my kids to win because I know they're all going to be crying after this, and I don't know if I got what it takes to help them through if they lose. I I put my biggest kid up on the ball because I knew he could at least get it to the goal. This is a last-ditch effort, y'all. I don't know. Some of y'all don't look like you're with me. It's, it's Hail Mary time. I said, come on, Sean, you can do it. In my mind, I'm like, I don't think he can do it, but I'm going to give him a chance. Somebody got to try. He boots the ball. Time slows down. Slow motion hits the field. The ball's spinning, spinning, and it goes perfectly into the corner of the net, Time expires. The crowd goes wild. Yeah. But look, that wasn't it. 
We got, we were down twice. We came back. That was the last minute. How many of you know championship game? There ain't no tie. Hello? We going to overtime. My team came back twice already. In overtime, we go down again. Ten-minute overtime period. There's not much time. We get down to the final minute again. Some of you are like, he's making this up. I promise I can't make it up. Last minute again, down a goal. We have an indirect kick outside the box. We had tried the same play earlier in the playoffs and messed it up. That was a teaching moment, and the Lord redeemed it. We set up the play, and who, I mean, I'm the coach. My son got a good shot. Who you think going to take the shot? All right. Parker going to take the shot. Beautiful. Ping. Line drive into the net. The crowd goes wild again. It's tied again. We're going to penalty shots. Look, at this point, the parents are freaking out. The parents of the other team are like in disbelief that the game has been tied twice. We go to penalty shots. We've been down how many times? Three times. Came back again and again and again. Go to penalty shots. Five shooters. First two shooters on their team make their shot. I promise we're going to preach today. I'm just trying to set this up. They, they make their two shots. We're down again, two to zero. Here comes Parker again. I'm just proud of my son. I mean, he just kept, kept coming through. He makes his shot. It's two to one. Hope is, hope is alive, y'all. Hope is alive. And we, we keep going. We keep going. We get to five shooters. It's tied again. We had been down four times. We go to extra shooters. Sixth shooter, both kids miss. Seventh shooter, their kid misses. I'm down to the end of my lineup, y'all. There are only nine kids on the field. I'm like, well, really, I don't want any of you three to shoot it, but one of you got to. So I put the best one that I had. I was like praying again. Lord, help, help James, little James Irwin. Little James, I'll never forget his name. Little James, bam, hit the shot. The crowd goes wild. Come on. Our team, it's the, it's the moment, man, where they pile up on each other and celebrate. The parents of the other team are crying. The kids on the other team are crying. Uh, their parents might not have been, but the kids were. And I got to tell you, I didn't feel bad. You know why? You know why I didn't feel bad? Because I was so proud of my team. Not because, well, not just because they won, but a little bit because they won. But because they did not quit. They came back not once, not twice, not three, four times. And I got a big trophy in my house to prove it. <laughs> it was awesome. It was incredible. Angela Duckworth is a professor of psychology and an author. She studied at a couple little schools you might have heard of, Oxford and Harvard. Pretty smart. And she, uh, she, she set out to answer this question in research. The question that she wanted to answer was this. Why do successful people succeed? Have you ever asked yourself that? Why do successful people succeed? And she, she built a team of researchers, and they, they were going to look in three different sectors. They went to a military academy. They went to difficult inner-city urban schools. And, and they also looked at the, the world-class spelling bee champions. They looked in three different categories, and they were trying to find out what is the secret sauce. Why do successful people succeed? And you know what they found was that it wasn't IQ that indicated success, but it was actually AQ 
the adversity quotient. It was the, the people that were successful were the people that just refused to quit. The people that refused to give up were the ones that were successful. And she went on to write this book called Grit. And I like the way that she defined grit in the book. She defined grit as this. It's passion and perseverance for long-term goals. Say that with me. Passion and perseverance. So it's not just passion because how many of you know passion can wane over time? We can be excited about something in the beginning and once you get punched in the mouth a few times, our passion can leave the room. But it was passion plus perseverance. And perseverance around the idea of long-term goals. So not goals like this week or this semester or this year, but long-term goals. Long-term goals and, 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 and people just showing up again and again and again, and again, continuing to show up when things weren't going their way. I'm going to make this statement, and I believe it with all my heart. We need some grit in the church today. We need some passion in the church today, but we need perseverance to go with it. We need grit. We need grit. Some of you today, you maybe came into this place, and you feel like giving up. You feel like quitting. You feel like throwing in the towel. When do you throw in the towel when you can't take anymore, right? The bo boxer's trainer throws it in. Okay, they've, they've gotten beat up enough. We quit. We're throwing in the towel. Some of you might feel like throwing in the towel in your marriage. You've tried and you've tried and you've tried and, and you just feel like it can't get to the place that it needs to be. Or maybe you, you feel like throwing in the towel on the dream that God put in your heart. Or, or maybe you're a student here today. Hello, Chi Alpha, where you at? Come on. All right. Maybe, maybe you're like, man, school, college is hard right now. Like college during a pandemic is tough. I don't know if I can keep going. I don't know if I've got what it takes. Maybe you're here and you, you've even considered throwing in the towel on your faith. Serving Jesus hasn't been as easy as you thought it would be. It, it hasn't worked out the way that you had hoped that it would. And I want to remind you of what this passage in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 through 37 says. If we could put that back on the screen. It says, don't throw away your confidence. Can I tell you today there's a greater confidence that you can tap into? Thank you, Pastor Wayne believes that. Hey, look, there's a greater confidence. Look, if my confidence is in myself or my own abilities, my own strengths, how many of you know I, I'll mess up? But it says don't throw away your confidence, and it's not talking about a confidence in yourself. It's talking about a confidence in Jesus. It says because it will be richly rewarded. Again, he says you need to persevere. You need to keep going. You need to move forward. Don't give up. Don't quit. Keep going. It says, because if you want to, if you want to receive the promise, how many of you believe God for some promises? And really the, the big promise that he's talking about is salvation and, and access to God through Jesus. He says, if you want 
to receive the promise, you've got to persevere. Look, so many times in the church, I think we're guilty of, of, of kind of hanging our head like, man, I'm, I just can't do it. I'm just not good enough. I'm not cut out for it. This is too hard, right? I want to remind you about some, some heroes of the faith and some si- situations that they had. Job said this, that don't, don't get depressed, okay? Better is the day of my death than the day of my birth. Anybody ever said that? I hope not. Jonah asked God to kill him. We're talking about some suicidal thoughts here. Moses spent 40 years in the desert with sheep after he had spent 40 years in the palace of luxury. Then he spent another 40 in the desert with people. How many of you don't know Moses was tired of the desert? Come on. The apostle Paul said, I was to the point of death. Elijah, after he had his greatest victory on Mount Carmel, ran into the desert and prayed that he might die. Heroes of the faith. Do you know why their stories are still written today? Because they did not give up. They just kept going. And so the question that we're going to answer today is how do we persevere in the face of so much adversity? I believe we're in a time of of great adversity, the likes of which I've never seen in my 40 years, 41, okay? It's a time of adversity, and so the question is, how can we persevere? Let's look back in Hebrews chapter 10 at another passage. We're going to rewind into verses 19 through 25. Remember, this author is, is encouraging these Hebrews, don't give up, don't quit, don't throw in the towel, keep going. And it says this in Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have, there's that word again, confidence. He said, don't throw away your confidence in verses 35 through 37. Here he says, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, how? By the blood of Jesus. Come on, anybody thankful for the blood of Jesus today? Since we have confidence by a new and living way, Pastor Wayne talked last week about the new covenant and how much superior it is to the old covenant. He says, since we have confidence by this new and living way, open for us through the curtain, that is his body, Jesus' body. How many of you remember the story? Jesus is crucified, the veil in the temple gets torn. That wasn't like a minor detail. That meant you have access to God now. Through my sacrifice. Verse, yeah, come on, if you're going to clap, do it now. Don't fake clap. Verse 22. Listen, this is what he says. Let us, who's us? You and I, all of us. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. There's an assurance that comes with faith having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, having our bodies washed with pure water. Again, there are those words again. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is, what's that word? Faithful. Oh, some of you all slipping. You're not paying attention. See, pop quiz. Verse 24, and let us, there are those words again, three times. Let us do this, let us do that, let us do this. Let us consider how we might spur one another on toward love and good deeds, 
Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, hashtag COVID-19, okay? I think the writer of the book of Hebrews was prophesying about COVID-19 right there. He said, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but instead encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. He's talking about the day that Jesus is going to come back. How many of you know we're closer today to the day that Jesus is going to come back than we were yesterday? Come on. And he's trying to, he's trying to put hope on their radar. That Jesus is coming and because he's coming, you can have hope. And as we look at this passage quickly, the first few verses, the author is really summarizing a lot of themes that, they, that he had already talked about in the previous chapters. The new covenant, the high priest, access to God. All of these things, the author is, is just trying to give a quick summary, but then he gives us three exhortations. And that word just means it's an urgent appeal. And they each begin with the words, let us, let us, let us. And I believe if we'll apply these three exhortations to our lives today, that they will help us persevere, that they will help us keep moving forward. And the first thing that he tells them to do is he says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and the full assurance that Faith brings. I want to pause here. Can we, can we just acknowledge how amazing it is that we can actually draw near to God? Hello? That the God of the universe wants to have a relationship with you and I? That we're not stuck in religion? And this, how many of you know this was mind-blowing to the, to the Jews, to the Israelites? They, they weren't used to access to God. Access to God was restricted. And it wasn't just restricted to priest, it was restricted to the high priest. And not just to the high priest, but only on certain days. Hello? They didn't have unlimited access. Come on, they needed to upgrade. They needed to get that upgrade. But, but the writer says, let us draw near to God. How many of you know there's a big difference between my own willpower and Jesus' power? Yeah. Come on, like, when you, have you ever been around somebody and when you're just around them, they begin to rub off on you? And maybe, maybe they, they, they just uh, bring out the best in you. How many of you know that when we're around Jesus, he draws stuff out of us? And he says, you can actually draw near to the living God. But here's the problem. Our tendency in times that are challenging, in times that are tough, is not to draw near but our tendency typically is to actually shrink back, to pull away from. And he says, you have access. By the blood of Jesus, you have access. The NLT says actually this, just go right in to the throne room of God. It says you can go right in. How, come on, how many, you, you don't even get that at the doctor's office, y'all, or the dentist, or like the Winn-Dixie. Like you don't just go right through. But he says, you can go right in to the presence of God. You can draw near to him. And how many of you know when we draw near to him, we can draw strength from him? Come on. When we draw near to Jesus, we can draw strength from him. Have you ever been uh, able to access certain people or certain places because of the credentials of somebody else that you were with? 
like you were with the important person. I, I don't know. For me, I'm not the important person. But I've been with people that had access to places that I couldn't go or people that I otherwise had no business talking to, right? And I just want to remind you today that you have access. That you have access to God. That alone is a whole sermon, y'all. But you get two more points, so here they come. In his presence, the Bible says there is fullness of joy. And in another place, it says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So that tells me that if I need strength to keep going, that I've got to get into his presence. Hello? That I've got to get a little joy, that I've got to get some renewed strength so that I can keep going because the joy of the Lord is my strength. Second thing that the author says is this, verse 23. Let it, the next exhortation, let us hold, what's that word? You don't know because it ain't up there. Unswervingly. The word is unswervingly. Let us hold unswervingly to what? The hope that we profess for he who promised is faithful. I love this. How many of you know promises are only as good as the person that made the promise? Come on, you've all been promised something by someone and you were like, ha, yeah, we'll see about that. That's not going to happen. We don't, have to, we don't have to worry about God fulfilling his promise. Hello? He is faithful. We can trust his character. It says, he who promised is faithful. So what? Hold on to hope. Hold on to your hope. If we're going to persevere, we have to hold fast to hope. Listen to what it says in Psalm chapter 77, verses 7 through 12. How many of you know David had some moments where he felt like quitting? King David wrote many of the Psalms. This is what he said in Psalm 77. Has the Lord rejected me forever? Will he never again be kind to me? Is his unfailing love gone forever? Have his promises permanently failed has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he slammed the door on his compassion? And I said this, this is my fate. The Most High has turned his hand against me. Some of you in the room today have believed that lie, that God is against you, that, that the promises of God, he's shut the door on him, that, that his gracious love, he's shut the door on it, that he's, he's turned his hand against you, you, you got to look at what he says in verse 11 and 12. But then I recall all that you have done. Oh, Lord, I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. How many of you know what you think about will oftentimes determine your attitude? I can't do it. I can't do it. God's against me. He's not with me. I can't keep going. That's a lot different than I remember all the good things that God has done and I'm going to keep going because he's got some promises out in front of me. Come on. So how do we hold on to hope? Sometimes we got to look back to go forward. Sometimes we got to remember how faithful God has been in our lives so that we can keep pressing forward. Are you with me this morning? That If I'm going to hold on to hope, I need to remember how faithful Jesus was to me when I was lost. I need to remember how faithful he's been to guide my steps. I need to remember how faithful he's been to this church for the last 10 years. Some of y'all don't know, we shouldn't be here. We should not be here. It doesn't make sense. 
God has been so faithful to this church. So if we, if we need strength to endure, if we need strength to persevere, sometimes we just got to glance back and, oh, yeah, I remember. Come on, we need to remind ourselves, y'all. Sometimes we forget really quickly how faithful God has been. Guilty. Can I tell you, like holding on to hope, I, I probably shouldn't have, like a month ago, I wouldn't have been preaching this message. I needed to hear this message. I, I wasn't holding on to a lot of hope. And, and God really challenged me and rebuked me for my lack of faith. And I, I was reminded of how faithful God has been to me personally, to our family. We got to hold on to hope. The Lord, Lord told me a few weeks ago, look what's happening in Belchase. It's just an opportunity for me to show how great of a provider I am. You're getting, you're getting all in your feelings, and I was. I was sulky. Some of you know me. I was sulking a little bit. I, I needed to just sulk for a few days. I was like Elijah. I was in the desert praying, Lord, just kill me. The Lord sent Elijah an angel and said, here, just here, eat this. You need strength to keep going. And he ate, and then he fell asleep. That was a good meal. And then he ate again, it says. He ate a second time. And then do you know what Elijah did after that was pretty important? He actually set up the next generation for what, what God wanted to do in Israel. But I, I'm, I'm telling you today as someone who has not, not always been unwavering, unswerving in my hope, in, even in the last few weeks. We, we've got to be reminded of God's faithfulness. Come on, anybody, God been faithful to anybody in the room? Come on, has God seen you through some stuff? When you didn't think you could keep going, he walked you through. He's faithful. He's faithful. The last exhortation is this in Hebrews 10. He says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. In other words, let us consider how we can help everyone around us keep moving forward. Spur one another on in love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together. Well, how many of you know someone who needs to hear that verse right there? The problem is they're not in the room because they're not here, right? They've given up meeting together. Like you guys, you're here, right? And, and I have to tell you, if you're going to persevere, that's, that's a pretty important, important part of the process just to stay linked in. The idea here with spur one another on, it's like stimulate one another forward. Any coffee drinkers in the room? Come on, anybody need that cup of coffee to get started in the morning? Come on, we need to be better than a good cup of coffee with one another and encourage one another forward. We need to spur one another on. Maybe you're here today and, and you really have kind of held church at arm's length. You, you're here today. Maybe someone invited you and you're not really a Jesus follower. Maybe you're first time here, first time in church in a long time. And maybe part of your thought process has been church is kind of just, that's a drag, right? That's like boring. I'm not really into all that. Can I tell you, nothing could be further from the truth that church should be the place where you come to be encouraged and to encourage others. Come on. That this should be a place filled with hope where, like, 
It's not just about me moving forward, but I'm trying to make sure the person on my left and my right is going forward with me. That I'm spurring one another on in love and in good deeds. If you're not in relationship with people in the body of Christ, in proximity with them, come on, if, if you're not around people for them to spur you on, that's a dangerous place to be. We can't isolate. We have to encourage one another. That's, that's the beauty of the body of Christ. How can we encourage one another if we aren't with one another? We have to continue meeting together. Hey, look, you're here today. Awesome. I want to encourage you. Don't let anything get in the way of meeting together. Make it a priority. Can I tell you, if you weren't at the encounter service Wednesday night, it was awesome. Make it a priority. Just try, do everything you can to be in the presence of God with one another. I'm reminded of a woman named Florence Chadwick. You probably, maybe some of you have heard of her, but she was a, she was a world-class distance swimmer. And she, she was actually the first, uh, the first, I want to get it right, bear with me. She was the first woman to swim the English Channel. Pretty cool. You're like, I don't know, might be cool. How far is that? 23 miles. First woman to do that, 1950, 1950s, world-class endurance swimmer, swam the English Channel. She wanted to swim from the California coastline to the Catalina Islands, 26 miles. That's a marathon, y'all, and not a running marathon, a swimming marathon. You might be like, well, how long would that take? 15 hours into the swim, a heavy fog came on. And she became disoriented and confused and exhausted. She had a crew of people with her in boats that were on the lookout for, watch this, sharks. I, I'm, not, I'm not built for that. She had a crew with her in case she needed help or to look out for sharks. And she, she's just, she threw in the towel. She's done. Disoriented, confused, exhausted threw in the towel, got into the boat. When she got into the boat, guess what? She found out she was less than a half mile away from the shore. She was almost there. 15 hours. 15 hours she had swam. And she gave up, watch this, right on the brink of her breakthrough. She didn't know how close to shore. She didn't see the promise. She lost her confidence. Come on, today in this place, don't quit. Come on, tell somebody around you, don't quit. Don't be a quitter. Hey, don't quit on your marriage. Don't quit on your kids. Maybe somebody here, you've been praying for your kids. They're walking away from God. They're in rebellion, far from God. Can I tell you, my mom didn't quit on me, and that's why I'm here today. Come on, she kept praying when I was lost, when I was far from God. She kept praying. And I promise you, God answered her prayers and brought me in. Don't quit on your marriage. Don't quit on your family. Come on, some of you have a dream that God's put in your heart. Don't quit on that dream. Don't quit. Don't quit on God. Don't quit on the church. Some of you are like, man, the church is messed up. It's flawed. I, I, don't, I don't even know. Like, I'm going I'm to just meet in my house with a couple people. 
Come on, don't quit on the church. Don't quit on God. Don't quit on your dream. Don't quit on your family. Don't quit. Come on. Don't be a quitter. We just got to have confidence in Jesus. We got to persevere. If we're going to persevere, we've got to draw near to him. If we're going to persevere, we've got to hold on to hope. Maybe you need to remember how faithful God's been. If we're going to persevere, we've got to have each other. Come on, somebody. You need somebody in this room to encourage you. Maybe you're here today and you're like, I'm good. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't need encouragement. Good. Be an encourager. Be the encourager that you need somebody else to be. Because guess what? One day you will need it. You might not need it today. But there will come a day where you're going to need that encouragement. Can you be the encourager today that you need someone else to be tomorrow? Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't give up on God. Would you bow your heads this morning? Maybe you're here today and just feel like, man, I've just messed up too much. Too many mistakes. Could God even love me? talking about access to God and meeting with God. God wants to meet with me. I don't, I don't know if I believe that. Today, if you're in the room and you'd say, I, I don't know Jesus like that, where I can meet with him and he can meet with me and that confidence that you're talking about, I don't have that kind of confidence. Today, maybe you're in the room and you'd say, I, I need to give my life to Jesus. I want that confidence. I want that access to God like you're describing. You can have it today because of the blood of Jesus, because of his life, death, and resurrection. You can have that confidence. You can have that hope. It says you can have a new and living way. If you're here today and you'd say, I I want to experience that. I want to experience Jesus in that kind of way where I have access, where I have confidence, where where I'm, I'm walking in a new way. If that's you today, I want you to lift your hand. All across this room, if you'd say, I need that kind of confidence. I need that kind of hope. Come on, your eyes are closed. Your heads are bowed. Anybody at all, I'm going to count to three. Anybody at all? One, two. Yep, I see your hands. Three. Come on, this is your moment. This is between you and God. You'd say, I need that confidence. Yep, we see your hand. We see your hand. See your hand. Anybody else at all? Yep, I see your hand. You'd say, I need that new confidence. Maybe you're here today and, and you had that confidence at one time, but you need it back. You've lost it along the way and you want to just rededicate your life to Jesus. Would you lift your hand? Yep, I see your hand. Awesome, awesome. Come on, can we stand all across this room with the eight or nine that have raised their hands this morning? Can we say this prayer together in the presence of God? Come on, nice and loud, everybody from your heart, say, Jesus, thank you that we can hold on, that you give us hope, that you give us a new and living way. Jesus, today, I admit that I've sinned, that I've fallen short, but I believe that by your blood, I have access to a new and living way. I confess you now as my Lord and Savior. Help me to live for you all of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give it up for our friends today.
Saints play on Monday night, so don't worry about the time. Hey, I believe that this is actually a, a moment that God wants to meet with people in the room. A couple of weeks ago, we opened these altars kind of back up. Look, we, we had kind of just like, okay, we're going to respond in our seat and have a moment. Look, I just believe that there's something special about responding to the Word of God. There have been times in my life where I've responded, just a simple step of faith, moving out of my seat and moving forward, responded to the Word of God, and, and God just meets with me, just like He can meet with any of us here today in, in this space. And here's what I believe. If you guys could pull down just for a second. Here's what I believe. Here's what I believe. Just asking God, what do you want to do at the end of the service? What, what do you want to do in that time, Lord? And here's what, I, here's what I believe God wants to do. If you will draw near in this moment, we're going to create a moment. We're going to create space just for you to draw near as the worship team plays.